Greetings, listeners, if any, and welcome to DM Dad, the podcast about playing Dungeons and Dragons and other role-playing games with kids. A great way to spend time with your family, now that your friends are too old and have all moved away. Hey, Dr. Groves, it's Rich from Cockatrice Nuggets. Oh my god, uh, listening to this podcast about Equestria, it makes me want to run My Little Pony for my four-year-old. Uh, I hate you so much. Now I'm going to have to look into it and, and uh, see what he thinks. Uh, seriously, though, thanks for a great episode and uh, inspire me to get uh, my four-year-old into gaming soon. Thanks for that, Rich. Um, happy I can help. Um, yeah, uh, My Little Pony Tales of Equestria is uh, is a pretty good uh, starter system for, for younger players because um, it, it, is, it is really simple. Um, I mean, it's... It has the same mechanic that Kids on Bikes uses, which is, you know, all your stats, you have a, a type of die, like a, you know, a six-sided die or an eight-sided die or whatever associated to that. And the higher the die, the better you are at that thing. And then you just roll that die against the difficulty. And the difficulties are going to be pretty low. For instance, I think uh, six is quite hard because you might have a D4 in the ability, and uh, which case you can't hit a six. Or if you do have a D6, then you have a one in six chance of hitting it. Or if you have a D8, it's still, you know, uh, it's still going to be quite hard. Um, but it's pretty easy. You know, there's no modifiers and things like that. There's no, uh, you know, special extra rules and stuff. So you have your, um, you have your three abilities or your three physical trait, your three traits, body, mind, and charm. And then you have your, um, your talents, which one is like your specific talent associated with your cutie marks. It's the one thing that you do better than everybody else. And you also get one free one that's associated with what type of pony you are. Um, so um, unicorns get telekinesis because they can use their horns to move things. Um, Pegasi get flight, obviously, because of their wings. And because earth ponies don't have magic or wings, they get... Um, Something that's called like stout heart. It basically makes them a bit tougher, um, and that's the trade-off. That an earth pony um, is a little bit tougher, and they're and they'll start off with more stamina points. And you have stamina points rather than hit points because when you get to zero stamina, you fall unconscious. But there's no actual death in the game because you know it's My Little Pony. So all those things, the simplicity and the non-violence, make it a good starter. RPG for people who are, you know, again, you have to be a fan of the franchise. It's not going to work if you're not into the franchise. The other good um, game that I um, I have played before um, that I've talked about briefly, but I haven't done a full review of it is Hero Kids. Um, when my son turned four... He started to want to get more involved in RPGs because um, he you know, he saw me and my daughter playing it a lot, and so he really wanted to get in. So I looked for a system that was like Dungeons and Dragons, but specifically designed to be playable by a four-year-old. And Hero Kids was the one that I found and chose, and it's really good. But it's more it's more of a it's more of D and D for kids rather than a role-playing game for kids. You know, My, my Little Pony doesn't really try to be D&D. And Hero Kids is very much like it's prepping them to move on to D&D when they get old enough. But that's also a good system. Um, in the meantime, we did not play My Little Pony on Friday because my son had a... He went over to a friend's house to play. So since my daughter and I... Um, we're down a player. I thought it would be a good opportunity for us to do this interview. Now, other people have done interviews with kids before. So obviously, like um, Eric Tankar interviewed his niece. And um, I believe Colin interviewed his son as well. Um, I haven't listened to that one yet. Um, my daughter kind of surprised me that she talked for a long time. So this is another hour-long episode. And it's me and my daughter talking about... Um, RPGs, the RPGs we play. Um, she talks about the adventure that she designed and, you know, some of her influences and stuff. So if you uh, want to hear a nine-year-old girl talk about RPGs for an hour, stay tuned. 
So, um, as promised, I have got my, uh, my oldest child, my daughter here with me. She's the first person I ever played RPGs with, and she's still my favorite of all the players that I've ever had. So do you want to say hello? Hello. So, um, I thought I'd have her on the show and we would talk a bit about some of her favorite, uh, role-playing games, which I think is all of them. And um, well, I don't know what she likes about them, what she likes best about them and stuff. <coughs> we both have a bit of a cold right now, so there probably will be some coughing and stuff like that. Anyways, um, so I don't know. What do you want to talk about first? Um, first, I'd like to talk about kids on bikes. What I really like about kids on bikes is the players also get to make up the story. Yeah, that is that's actually become my favorite bit about kids on bikes as well. Is that is that instead of um, me, the game master, making up all the story and stuff, that actually quite a lot of the storytelling is from the players, and that included the town. And and you actually you pretty much made up the town by yourself. I, I helped a little bit, but you had all the major ideas, didn't you? Yeah, I based it on this game called Goat Simulator, in Goat. Um, in Goatville High, where the school's at the front and the gymnasium's beside it. And that's where I put the school in the gymnasium. I didn't realize that, that you'd based it on Goat Simulator. Um, that's not a gig, because I, I don't play Goat Simulator myself, but you're quite fond of Goat Simulator. That's a, a really good trick. If you need to build something... Um, like a town or a building or something like that. Think of something similar that you like and just use that as your inspiration. Um, that's something that like loads of uh, creators and game masters and stuff will tell you. And you drew that. You drew a map of the town too. Yeah. And we still use that map when we play it. And and you often point out what part of the town the adventure is you know is taking place in and stuff. And that really helps me craft the story because I I like to respond to your your uh, ideas. <coughs> Um, and it's funny because Kids on Bikes doesn't make you have a map, but you drew a map just out of, you know, um, of your own initiative. And I found that really helpful. So in Kids on Bikes, so your character is called... Fauna. Fauna. And your older sister, who's an NPC, is Flora. Yeah. And was that inspired by the people from the Fudge Books? Yeah. The the sisters that that uh, that sing that they were twins though. Yeah. And then um, your brother's character is called E.T. Yeah, and then there's um, my annoying our annoying little brother. Oh, that's right. He's an NPC as well. Wait, I don't. He's think, a baby though, pretty yeah. much. I don't think we've made up his name yet. Yeah, because I can't remember his name either. Remember Wendell, your friend. Yes. And then your other friend who can communicate with animals. Yeah, who lives with Wendell. Yeah. He, he, his name is Ewok, but he's now called Benjamin. Mm-hmm. He was called Ewok at first because you first saw him wearing an Ewok costume on Halloween, so you couldn't see his face. Yeah, we. I remember, I mean, I've talked about this before, but I didn't think we were going to be able to play kids on bikes because it required that the players generate the, um, the, the game world. And I didn't, I didn't think that you would be able to do it and you did it right away. So I should have just trusted your imagination. So we haven't played that one in a while. I think the last time you, the last time you mentioned, um, playing it, you wanted to look at what the, uh, the, the grown-up organization is up to. Is that right? Yes. What did we say they were? Were they elks or something? Or I've written it down so we can find it. But um, one of the things that the game suggests um, you you make up is like some grown-ups club, like Rotarians or elks or you know something, and they may or may not be doing something suspicious. Maybe they're just a bunch of guys, you know, playing cards together, or maybe they're up to something. So you thought you would maybe try looking, investigating that bit. Um, and then, so that was, was that the second role-playing game? Now I think we played My Little Pony um, second after Dungeons and Dragons. 
Yes. What I like about My Little Pony is that um, now you can play a different character other than a pony. You can play a griffin, a hippogriff, a parrot, a cat, a lizard folk. Um, you can, crystal ponies. Yeah, crystal pony. Dragon? Did you mention that? Yeah, already? dragon. Uh, and a changeling. Yeah, so one of the things that um, I got recently was the Tales of Equestria movie source book. So this book contains setting material... Um, that's based on the the places that they went in the My Little Pony movie, and it also includes new playable playable races, I guess you would call them. So that's where you get like the hippogriffs and things like that. So instead of just being a pony, you can be um, you can be all the different things. Oh, you can also be a sea pony, which is a hippogriff that has changed into a sea pony. You're a big fan of having different character options aren't you because um when, when i got volo's guide to monsters you right away rolled up a a, a tabaxi and you've also created a, li- a lizard folk um based on those rules so is that is that one of your favorite parts of role-playing games in general is being a different type of creature yeah the reason i chose a tabaxi is because i really like cats yeah that is, I mean, that's a, a very popular choice. I think Pathfinder has the cat folk, which is pretty much the same thing. Um, and that's a very popular choice among Pathfinder players. <coughs> what is it that you like about about being a different race? Is it, is it that you want to be, you want to have different powers? Or is it that you just want to be able to do different things? Um, both. And I also like being unique. Yeah, yeah, that can be. I can see that being a really strong selling point. I, when I'm a player, I don't really like playing different races that much in Dungeons and Dragons because I kind of I go for more of a low fantasy um, feel. But tale like Equestria is a very high fantasy setting, so it actually doesn't bother me that there are rules for being griffins and hippogriffs and all this stuff. I feel like, well, why not? I mean, you know. Um, Gilda the Griffin showed up in Ponyville and nobody batted an eye because it's just that kind of a place. And so I feel like, well, that it, it's appropriate to the setting. And I guess if you if you have a high fantasy D&D setting, then you can just have cat people and stuff walking around and everybody will be cool with it. But um, I think that's probably where our tastes are usually a bit different is that I wouldn't jump on the chance to be like a lizard or something like that. Most of the, of, of the different races... In the um, Tales of Equestria movie um, source book, um, come from this place called Kluke Town. Yeah, that's the that's the first place they go when they're looking for the um, the the hippogriffs. Well, they think they're the hippos at the time because. Princess Celestia got frozen before she could finish what she was saying, so it sounded like "Go find the queen of the hippos." Um, and this, so this, this book includes, uh, full, like a description of Klug town and some, and it, it has some, uh, advice for running urban adventures and it has advice for running underwater adventures when it, when you, when it describes Sequestria where the, where the transformed hippogriffs live and stuff. Um, <coughs> basically it's got a lot of really good stuff in it. Like I said, I, I like all the, um, I like the setting um, descriptions. I like the new races. It has rules for vehicles and things like that. The only thing I don't like about this book is that it includes a lot of information about additions to the main Equestria setting, and there isn't actually a book that details the main Equestria setting. It's sort of like a sequel to something that doesn't exist, because the the core rule book doesn't actually include uh, a thorough <coughs> description of the setting. So if you could imagine like having a, a hollow world setting book when there wasn't one for Mistara already, you know, sort of like, well, that this is great additional material, but where's the the main material? So I wish they would actually come up with that. And I, I said when I first reviewed the game that I wanted them to come out with like a big fold-out poster map of Equestria as well because we use the map in that book a lot. Um, and that's my only real complaint about this this uh, this book is that is that it's got good extra stuff, but it feels like the main stuff is missing. Um, the other book that we got was the Bestiary, um, which is basically like a, a an equestrian monster manual. Do you want to look at that one? 
Yeah. <coughs> so this also has extra playable races, including mon- um, in addition to the monsters. Um, so between the two books, you can play quite a lot of stuff, not just ponies. One of the things that I really like about The Bestiary, and it's my favorite of the two books, because it's just got a lot of good creatures that, that, you, can, that you can inspire, inspire <coughs> your game with. Um, but they've, they've put in D&D monsters, like classic D&D monsters. So, I mean, it starts off with Agari, which are like mushroom people. Um, it has a lot of stuff that, that you will remember from the television show, including the bugbear, which is a giant bear with a stinging, like a bee stinging tail, or maybe it's a wasp and wasp wings. But it's got flumps, and the flumps are literally flumps, like D&D type flumps. And it's also got mimics, um, which it shows a treasure chest with teeth. So it's it's got some things that you can you can import from D and D, but they're they're kind of redesigned to work with uh, the My Little Pony rules. Um, the only different thing about the chest with teeth is it doesn't look as freaky. Yeah, because it, it's not meant to be freaky. as scary. It's this is this is still a game for kids. Yeah. Um. <coughs> so you've played. So we've played. We've played two different. Different versions of Dungeons and Dragons. Technically three, because I first ran old original Dungeons and Dragons with you um, using the chainmail rule set, um, and we've played Five E, and we've also played um, My Little Pony and Kids on Bikes. Um, in terms of like the the rules, which is your favorite rules? Um, rules to the game. Yeah. You know, like how you do things, what dice you use, and how you use them. Well, I kind of like um, rolling the dice, but if you get one, it's the best. Because if you get a 20, it's actually quite bad. So you like a roll low system? Yeah. Hmm. Because uh, the old school D&D uses more roll lows, and... Um, <coughs> We haven't used this a lot, but there's like where you where you can try to roll less than your ability score on a d20, in which case one is the best to roll. But do you find any of them too complicated? No. Because there's a lot more numbers in 5e than there is in like My Little Pony. Um, you just have your your three your three abilities, and you just have a die assigned to each one of them, and you just roll that die, and you don't you don't ever add anything to it. So, because um, one thing that people ask me sometimes is, you know, which which systems are kind of best for kids in terms of being able. Being being easy to understand, it might it might be hard for you to answer that because you've been playing since you were six, and you're nine, and um, you probably just grasp it a lot more intuitively than than kids who haven't played a role playing game before. I've actually been um, making my own adventure. Yeah. I haven't um, st- um, done it for a long time. It's called Temple of the Elementals. I started um, working on it on my eighth birthday on Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what it, we were using Hexographer, and I showed you how Hexographer worked, and you just started making up a map and populating it with uh, adventure areas and locations and monsters and things like that. I'm going to make it, um, a whole series of adventures. At the end, it's... One about dragons, and you have to fight Tiamat. So it's basic. It's basically a campaign. Like you're, it's a whole cam- It's like a whole campaign setting area. Do you want? <coughs> do you want the people to go? Do you want the players to go in a certain order, or can they kind of do it in any order? I want them to go in certain order, easiest to um, uneasiest. Oh, okay. and I also put side quests. In. Oh yeah, those are fun. Those are good ways too to get a bit of extra experience if you if you want to get into the next area, but you're not powerful enough yet 
Um, you've you've read pretty much the whole Five E Monster Manual, though, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, you used to read that at, um at night before you go to bed. I also read the Dungeon Master's Guide because I had some elemental stuff for my first adventure. Did you read? Did you read the whole Dungeon Master's Guide or just like the treasure? Just the treasure. Yeah, because there's a lot of extra rules and things like that in the Dungeon Master's Guide that I'm I don't know if you would find them as interesting. Um, but yeah, so you've read you've read all of chapter seven, which has all the all the treasure and magic items, and you I, picked out ones that are appropriate to your campaign. I also kind of mixed My Little Pony with um, Dungeons and Dragons by bringing Discord into the the one with the slads because he's crazy as well. Oh yeah, well the slads are chaotic and they come from the realm of chaos, and Discord is like the embodiment of chaos. So that's a really good. Yeah. Um, that's so a really I'm good gonna mashup. make an evil Discord before the. The evil Discord um was was um turned to stone by Princess Celestia and Princess Luna. Yeah, I think that sounds like a really good uh, a really good campaign. Um, who do you want to run that for? Your is it for your cousins as yeah, well? Yeah, my and, cousins and your brother too. Sometimes yeah. you don't get on with him. And also the my cousin's dad. Oh yeah, he plays with us as well. We haven't actually played that game in a long time because the last time we were going to schedule, remember we forgot we we did we misunderstood whose house we were supposed to be going to. So we'll have to uh, try harder next time. Yeah, and you'll be my co-dungeon master. Yeah, so you want me to handle the mechanics, and that's one thing is I, I wonder if I should actually take you through the rule book, and so you can see how the rules actually work. Because yeah. mostly we're still at a stage where I just tell you, you tell me what you want to do and I tell you what to roll to do it. Yeah. Which is actually what makes you a good player because instead of thinking about a list of abilities and stuff like that, you think about something that your character would actually and do. And in the old Dungeons and Dragons, which I play with my brother, mm-hmm. um, we, were in, we were at level one and we actually defeated an ogre and a black bear. Yeah. And didn't die. See, so for anybody who knows this um this adventure, it's Bill Webb's 1975 adventure. Rapid Yeah. Well, we're not running we, we haven't made it to Rapanathic yet because you have to be level 4 even to yeah. start up Rapanathic. So I saw I saw they wanted they want to go to Rapanathic to fight the poop monster. Yeah. Um and I by the way I really like the poop monster in Swords and Wizardry better than the 5e one. Um, the, the I think the the immortality of it in the 5e version just comes from the fact that it will regenerate in a certain amount of days so that, you know, you think you've killed it and then if you come back a week later, it's back. But the, the Swords and Wizardry one handles that in a different way. Like you literally just cannot kill it, um, which is fine because you can outrun it. It's meant to be more of a, a of annoyance or something like that. But um, I'm looking forward to to doing that encounter. But I'm running uh, the 1975 introductory adventure first so that they can level up. And they went into the ogre lair. And I was kind of hoping that they would sneak around and then be able to run away. But when they saw the ogre and the bear, they decided to run up and fight it. And we're talking about two monsters of four hit dice each and a party of four level one (coughs) characters. Um, And I thought, they're going to die and we're going to have to roll up new characters. Um, but they didn't. Um, they played it really smart. They had people stay back ranged so that they could just shoot the ogre and the bear. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I wasn't just playing it with my brother. There is this um, squishy banana that's made of rubber. And mm. I made his character be called the Singing Jeff. So the Singing Jeff is a thief. Yeah. And then... Um, your brother's uh, cuddly toy monkey is technically the magic user. Yeah, called Mi- Mini Miney. Mini Miney. So, um, yeah, so there are f- technically four players. There's my two kids and two toys. Um, but since the toys can't literally talk, you do kind of have to advise what their what their decisions are, don't yeah. they? Your brother's actually pretty good at choosing spells too. He can yeah. he's a fluent reader already, so he, he could read the list of spells and decide which one he wants to prepare. And since there's only one spell per day, it's not too confusing. I think one problem was is when we play tested the uh Tower of Skulls. <coughs> um you blew your sleep spell in the first encounter. Yeah. 
And that's why you technically died in the last encounter, because when you made it to the bottom and there were was a room full of cultists, they swarmed all over you and killed you with their knives. Whereas if you still had a sleep spell left, you would have just put them all to sleep and that would have been it. But you yeah. used a sleep spell on the frogs. So, um, but that's a lesson in how to manage your spells when you only have one per day. But, you know, it probably made sense at the time. So, yeah. so do you remember the first campaign that we played? <coughs> um, the Horde. Yeah, that's what, that's the name of it. And you would help yourself. Yep. It was very good. So, um, I knew I knew that there was like the introductory adventure, Lost Minds of Fandelver, but I kind of wanted to write my own. I was kind of equally afraid of writing my own, but I suppose I must have at least half wanted to write it or I wouldn't have offered it to you. So I said, do you want me to write my own adventure? Or do you want to use um, a, pre, a pre-made adventure? And she said, write your own. So, and she, the, her only request was that there be a dragon in it. <coughs> so that's how I did the horde. Was it surprising at the end how it worked? Yeah. And I think there could be an adventure <coughs> after it. Since um, the fire drake and the baby um, red dragon were trying to catch the evil crown. And the fire drake got away with the cursed crown. Yeah. I actually do have plans for what what will happen in my setting with that. Now I've read Lord of the Rings. Now reading Lord of the Rings, I kind of think of the evil crown as the one ring. It is. Like I, I do like to put magic items in that are evil and that you <coughs> the longer you carry them the more the more likely something bad is to happen to you. Um it's important though not to load your party with too many cursed items because then it's just impossible for them to do anything. Yeah. You think of how hard it was for Frodo to just for Frodo to just take that one little ring into Mordor, you know, you can't be like you can't have everybody having a really powerful yeah. cursed item. So the first, the first uh, game that I ran for you was the one that I wrote myself, the whole. Yeah. Um, and then when we decided to play with your cousin, um, your cousins and their dad. We played Lost Minds of Fandelver. Yeah, and you created a new character for that. And then. Well, how did what did you think of Lost Minds of Fandelver? It was quite fun. Was it as fun as the Horde? I'm not like trying to say like, am I a better adventure writer? But like, um, it wasn't as fun. Well, it didn't have a dragon. That's true. There was a minor encounter with a dragon, but oh? yeah, you just missed it. You didn't. It was in that ruined town. Um, you but go there. Yeah, well, you did go there, but you also left it because you by that point you had the map to the mine and you really wanted to get that over with one of the things is that when a party is quite focused on a task they're not going to do side quests that's something that i find um they're going to move really quickly from from uh, one location to another um i think if people had wandered around thunder tree and didn't have much else to do at the time then you probably would have found the dragon it was only a young dragon a young what green color? Dra- green but breathe poison. Yeah. So I don't know if it would have been a great encounter because it's just like you fight this dragon and then if you win, I think a druid does something nice for you. Um, yeah, I really like dragons. The druid knew where the mine was. So if you didn't know what the mine, where the mine was and you defeated the dragon, you could, the druid might have told you where the mine was in, in like as a, as a thank you. Yeah, you do like dragons a lot. In fact, yeah. that's kind of how this started. Yeah. How long have you liked dragons? Um, hmm. I don't know. Maybe since I stopped being obsessed with elephants. Yeah, because I guess, yeah, you used to really like elephants when you were really young. See, uh, around the time that I I started to get really curious about role-playing games, because I was never able to play them when I was younger, but I didn't have anybody to play with. And that was around the time that you started talking about how much you really liked dragons. And I thought, well, if she likes dragons, then maybe she'd like to play Dungeons and Dragons. And that's kind of how this started. 
Yeah. Um, and you still love dragons to this day, and you're it's interesting. I have loads of dragons. Yeah, you do have loads of dragons of every single. Like she has cuddly dragons, and she has action figure dragons, and a dragon made of Lego. Um, all kinds of stuff, different shapes, different colors. You've got books about dragons. You've got dragonology. Dungeonology. Dungeonology. Which has Tiamat in it. Mm-hmm. And you've got um, lots of other books about dragons and the history of dragons and a, and a book of poems about dragons as yeah. well and stuff. They are really I, cool. I first found it in, in the school library mm-hmm. at, at the school I go to. Um, <coughs> I really liked it, so I asked for it for Christmas. And, I, and you have... How to Train Your Dragon books on your Kindle. Yeah. And I also have How to Train Your Viking by Toothless the Dragon. Oh, yeah, that's a really good... It it's, tells it a little bit from, from Toothless's perspective. Um, by the way, for... And a, it has How to Toilet Train Your Dragon, which is funny. Yeah, that is actually very funny because it's not easy. Um, f- for anybody who has kids... Um, and you're looking for something to read to your kids, I highly recommend the How to Train Your Dragons book series. They're very different than the films that they've made. Um, I think I think they're as good as Harry Potter. Yeah, Harry um, Potter's really good. And like Harry Potter, they start off quite small. And as as the main character, Hiccup, the, um, Hiccup Horrendous Haddock III, uh, grows up, the the obstacles and the lessons and things like that keep getting more and more yeah. important and by the um, end it's really it's incredible it's just i've just yeah. a what an amazing book series i i can't yeah. remember something that i've enjoyed reading more yeah i would we wouldn't want to tell you what happened at yeah the end, we don't want to spoil it but yeah it's really good it's something re- good happens at the end very amazing. Yeah. So if you have kids and you want to read them something and you haven't read the Hiccup books, you should definitely do that. And if you're the kind of grown-up who doesn't mind reading kids' books because sometimes certain kids' books are so good that even adults can enjoy them, maybe read them as well. Um, <coughs> they're also they're peppered with lots of um, stats of different types of dragons because she's made up so many different kinds of dragons. And it's really interesting to read the whole dragon ecology, like all the different types of dragons and where they yeah. live and, and what they eat. And if you finish reading the Hiccup series, there's the um, uh, Incomplete Book of Dragons. I think it's incomplete because of the Windwalker and the Cocoon. Yeah, and also just because she's there's always they're always finding more types of yeah. dragons. So, um, but yeah, those are great books. Yeah. So and it's funny because Hiccup doesn't have a monstrous nightmare, which is a very cool type of dragon. Snotlight has, has one. Techni- Snotlight is a really annoying person. Yeah, well, as his name implies, yeah, technically only the heir to the chiefdom should get a monstrous nightmare, but Hiccup. I, Hiccup has um, a commoner garden or. You think? Yeah, let's not spoil that though. Yeah, and um, his friend Fishlegs, who has asthma and a squint, has definitely, definitely, definitely a common garden. Yeah. No, it wasn't a common garden. I think it was a basic brown. A basic brown, yeah. And its name is Horror Cow, and it's a vegetarian. Which is a bit weird. And um, Hiccup, um. Name is silly because um, haddocks aren't scary. They're not horrendous. No. No, it's they're just they're just fantastic books. Um, so after we finished Lost Minds of Fandelver, we, we went on um, with them. Um, our, our cousins went on to Curse of Strahd. Yeah. So, so I had a, we had a choice. Storm King's Thunder or the or the um of the Curse of Strad. And it was Curse of Strad because it's a bit of vampire and they haven't done much about a vampire before. I was worried when we first started it, I was worried that maybe this was gonna end up being too scary, especially It was really freaky. Luckily you didn't do Death House. You only did that <laughs> freaky what was the freaky one? Were they were they oh, um yeah. Where where the, the, the people's son turns out to be a vampire? Is that what you're thinking of in the in the farmhouse? Yeah. And then remember the Ben and the um thing with the um one of our cousins one of my cousin Benjamin's name was on the grave. Oh yeah. And then first there was no person on the um tied up thing. Then there was um 
a normal villager. Then there was him. Yeah, so that yeah, was well, they, really they come to a crossroads, and there's like I a, to there's like my cousin Bethany. Yeah, there's a there was a gallows, um, and there's nobody in the gallows. Oh, she's hugging me right now, just remembering how scary it was. And there's a little there's a little graveyard on the other side of the road, across from the gallows. <coughs> and so some people went and looked for um, to see if there were any names on the gravestones or and some, clues. Yeah. And all the gravestones were unmarked except one, and it was um, May Blackwing, which is um, um, <coughs> one of the party members is a rogue. Yeah, one of my cousins. And then when they're like, "Oh my goodness!" it says May Blackwing here, and then and then and then there's a, a body hanging from the gallows, and everybody else saw just an ordinary villager, but May Blackwing saw himself. He saw his own face. But then after they freaked out about it, it was it all disappeared. It was gone. It's just an illusion. Um, one of the great things about, about <laughs> luckily it was just an illusion. What if it was the future? You did. You did. Well, see, that's the thing. Is it? You know, you don't know if it's the future, if it's a prediction or not. You know, but that's <laughs> one of the great things about Curse of Strahd is that there are all these things that are that are they're really classic horror film tropes. You know, to, to just make you get a little bit edgy and a little bit freaky. Um, and so far, like, you haven't had a lot of really deadly combat in it. You just had all this creepy stuff. Yeah. Um, what do you think? What do you guys think of um, Valaki? Because you're in Valaki. Oh, yeah. We're going to do the Festival of the Blazing Sun. Yeah, if you survive the place that you're in. Because you've gone to that. You've gone to the haunted house. Oh, yeah. The Silver Dead. So if you make it back from there alive, <coughs> then you should be in time for the Festival of the Blazing Sun. But what do you think about the town of Valaki? It's fun, and and it's, and you be the leader on Donald Trump. Yeah, so... He didn't the, let the... What were they called? The Vistani. The Vistani. He, he won't let the Vistani into Velaki. Like and there's a wall. There's a wall, because Velaki has a wall around it. So, yeah, um, and I was looking for a way to... And he gave us hats. Let's say... <laughs> Let's say all will be well. They say A-W-B-W, which stands for all will be well. They're red hats. Yeah. I was looking for a, I was looking for a, Oh, and then remember the part with his son. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and his, son, and his son had tried to make that teleportation circle, and it actually vaporized the, the butler and the cook. Oh, that explains what happened to the butler and the cook. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he had some powerful spells, so it was lucky that you guys uh, made friends with him. Yeah. Um, I remember that time our mom p- played... <coughs> with um, the same adventure Irina Kolyana yeah. so um, I've been I've, one thing I've always wanted to do is get my entire family to play Dungeons and Dragons yeah. and so not when, the whole entire the no not yeah house. not my extended family like get everybody over from America and we'll have a massive campaign yeah everybody over from every single country that is um in the family, but I, but I, I wanted like I wanted to get my wife to play, and she usually just doesn't have the time, and she's too busy. But um, she was around, and I said, well, since we're in the middle of an adventure, what I'll do is I'll do a thing that I saw on like um, dice camera action, where they get like instead of having an NPC run by the DM, they get a guest player to play the NPC, and you just kind of brief them a little bit on what their character background I is. The horde. Was it Bangor? Yeah. Yeah, he got one of the good crimes that weren't evil. Yeah, he did. I remember so, the water problem there, too. Oh, with the swamp. Yeah. Yeah, well, that should probably sort... And that ghost. That should probably sort itself out now that they've they've lifted the curse from yeah. the land. So. and the ghost. Mm-hmm. They actually have a different problem there now. Oh. Well, there's wood elves in the woods nearby, and mm. as uh, as the oh. village of uh, Brunthor is trying to uh, expand, because you know, remember how you found the ruins of the larger town in the yeah. in the woods? Yeah. So now that the curse is oh, what's the um, what the Grick? Yeah, the Gricks. Yeah. So now that the the curse is, now that the curse is lifted, they're trying to build the town, the build it back up to its former size, which means that they're kind of pushing out into the woods, and the wood elves don't like that. Okay. So they're kind of have. Battle. They're having a land dispute with the uh, with the wood elves. So if we ever go back to that place, you might want to see. The wood elves. 
Couldn't they build different wood for the world elves? Well, it's hard to build a wood, isn't it? Woods have to grow naturally. Well, yeah. Right. So it could be something where you might be want to talk to both sides and see what they're doing and see if there's anything going on. Like in My Little Pony <coughs> Tip Lesson. Well, yeah, that's one of the things I like about My Little Pony is that it teaches nonviolent conflict resolution. Yeah. Um... But well, I can team Titans with pretty, pretty paces, and Raven, who's actually half-demon. Yeah, that would be an interesting role-playing game. Anyways, um, so yeah, you I, guys were a little bit afraid of the in, what I used as the introductory adventure to um, Curse of Straub, where, where you went to the farmhouse, and there was a, they, they, there was a, a man hanging from, like, a, as if he was a scarecrow, and he was really beat up, and he said his parents beat him up. And Which it turn- they kind of did. It turns out that he was a vampire. That's why they beat him up. They weren't just crazy evil people. Mm-hmm. And that got them to go into Barovia because they were only really paid to investigate the past that leads into Barovia. But when they met that guy, um, they decided that they needed to go in and see what was going on actually in Barovia. And of course, once you go in, you can't get out because of the fog. Oh, yeah, that was not So you guys it. are trapped in there. I still sometimes have second thoughts about whether this was the best campaign to run as a follow-up to Lost Minds of Van Delver. But I really I, – I love horror stuff, and I love vampires, and yeah. I love Chris Perkins's adventures, and yeah. this is all it, Even things. though it was scary, I had people with me. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so – Let's see. What are some other things that you remember? You found that you you guys called yourselves the Order of the Silver Raven. I mean, the Order of the Silver Raven. Weird. And it turns out to be yeah. also the name of the Were Ravens who yeah. uh, who live in Barovia, who are trying to keep and keep the Could evil. Can we really be telling them all this? What What do you mean? The, the The listeners aren't playing in the campaign, so you can't spoil it for them. Oh. Also, oh, there's a lot of stuff I change. So even if they're like going to run their own Curse of Strahd and they don't want to know what it's like, well, um, I change a lot of things. So, for instance, I've changed a lot of details so that they relate specifically to your characters now so that you'll be more involved in the story. Yeah. Um, do you enjoy that that game more than the poop monster? I can't really choose. They're both really fun. And do you have like a favorite role playing game that you know one that you like best? Because they all they all kind of are different, aren't they? So yeah, quite like them all. We still haven't done dark places and demogorgons. Yeah, we started maze rats, haven't we? Uh, yeah, we. My we... brother chose to do it because he likes fighting giant rats. We barely, yeah, but there aren't any giant rats yeah. in maze rats. That's not how it works. It's, it's um, maze rats is what you are, not what you fight. Um, so the reason your brother likes giant rats is because of Hero Kids. Yeah. What do you think of that 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 game? Yeah, that was quite fun. And we both were um, magic users. Warlocks. Yeah. Except James was fire and I was ice. Mm-hmm. So uh, James is my brother. I've been meaning to talk more about Hero Kids, um, uh, but I haven't done. And then there was also Bree, who was our friend. Yeah, and she can make fire as well, but not yeah. in the same way that James can. Um, yeah, and um, our I figured out that um, one of our parents would be a fire warlock and one. Be a nice oh, that would make sense. Is that where, where you got your powers? Um, the thing that the thing that the the issue that we ran into with Hero Kids is oh. that your brother kind of wanted to do the same adventure over and over again. Yeah. I felt like, I think I guess he felt comfortable with it, like he knew how it worked. Um, that's kind of boring, though. Well, I know that's very boring for you because you are more about finding out uh, the next thing. Trying and the new things thing. like in the pantal. Okay, well, we don't have to use this as a way to pick on your brother for being suspicious of new situations because, you know, we've all got our idiosyncrasies. Um, But, yeah, I do do like the Hero Kids game and I like the adventures, but we started to move past it anyway because um, we invited your brother to play in the um, original Dungeons & Dragons game to fight the poop monster. Um, 
And he seems to get a good grasp of that. One of his issues, and this is across the board. Oh, another is, thing from the old Dungeons and Dragons, the one with uh, the poop monster, um, the crazy lady that was digging for treasure. Oh, Yay, that's I'm right. Digging that... for treasure. Yeah. Well, it was lucky you met her because she watched your stuff while you went into the ogre cave. Yeah, so. I almost used crazy. Well, she was she because she was crazy. She wasn't going to make off with your stuff. Uh, a sane person would have been like, well, they may never come out of there alive, so I might as well just take the stuff now. Um, but she didn't, like, think, oh, I could use this stuff. So she was just digging for random treasure. Yeah. Not knowing where the treasure was. She didn't even have a treasure map. Yeah, you spl- And the bell. You spl- oh, yeah, the be- we got the bell. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you did really well with that. You, yeah. So there were, there were bells tied into the vines over the mouth of the cave, and they would have made a noise if you went through them. But what you did was you held a bell in, in one hand and cut through the vine in the other hand very slowly and carefully <laughs> so that the bell didn't make a noise, and then you carefully laid each bell on the ground so that you... Okay, let me go them. So there were six bells... And there were four players, and then there was one crazy lady. So we put one on our pack animal, the mule. And now you always know where it is. Yeah. And so do all the monsters. So um, you split the party in that one because you decided yeah. – because you can't take the cart and the horse and stuff or the mule. But I have a good feeling about <coughs> that tree. Uh, of course. Um, I know you want the, I know you want to go for that tree. It just makes me feel like um, that – oak tree that um seems quite special uh, um that uh, the way in our house uh, um on the way to the oh i see sledging hill yeah so we'll have to resolve what happens what happens to you and what happens to the horse and cart and uh so you've each the You've each taken a spellcaster, but of course a level one cleric can't cast spells anyway. So, anyways, this is all so that they can get to Rappanathuk and fight the poop monster. Yeah. We also want to fight other things, like there could be dragons. There, Yeah, there may well be a dragon somewhere near Rappanathuk. We'll just have to see. There's lots of amazing stuff near Rappanathuk. Um... I've always wanted to run this dungeon, um, and I, I, I can never get anybody to actually go there except for my kids, but they haven't reached there yet because yeah. especially I, I think I, since, since, since the end of school last year, we haven't played as regularly because it was a really hot summer, so we spent most of our time outside, yeah, which is a good thing. Now I, I'm sometimes playing with my friend Anna and Natalie. Yeah, well, it's always good to play outside and when you have the opportunity. And also my other friend, Abby McGuire. Yeah, of course, um, now that now that we're getting into winter, there probably won't be many outdoor days. Um, and, of course, your brother just starting school, he's been a bit tired, and it does take a lot of mental energy to play a role-playing game. But he had a go playing My Little Pony. He played for about half the session um, yeah, last week. The whole and he the chose year. and he chose the adventure as well. Yeah, we're doing the hunting of a question, but when did you make that? Oh, you know, we played melee as well. Oh yeah, melee. How did, what did you think of that? It was fun. I think the next time we play that I'm gonna get the minis out. Like all 'cause I got all these minis that I've never used in an actual game and since melee is just a fighting game, I'll just I'll just pick something out and say, Okay, you can fight this and it'll take about ten seconds to make up its stats because that game is so easy. Um, but we should probably have a go at playing the, the full role-playing game of it as well. But I haven't got my head around the battle system yet, so we'll, we'll try that later. But yeah, are you looking, are you, are you excited about finishing Curse of Strahd and defeating Strahd someday? Yeah, I have a secret, a very good, clever plan so we don't have to fight Strahd. Try and find out which, where, when he sleeps in his coffin. Mm-hmm. Um, open his coffin, stick a sword in it, kill him, slice him in half. So you, you're going to try to play on the weaknesses of a vampire and exploit them and attack him at the most opportune time. And garlic! Oh yeah, garlic doesn't work for vampires yeah. in that game. Because your character is a vampire <coughs> hunter, so you do know yeah. all the vampires. A vampire lore. killed my whole village! Mm-hmm. 
And you were, and then you were raised by the famous vampire hunter Rudolf van Richten. Yeah. And he taught you everything you know. I still imagine him with a red nose because of Rudolf the red nosed reindeer. Well, you know, he may well have a red nose. May, I'll keep that in mind if you ever meet him. I've already met him. Oh yeah, and the. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, meet him in the game though. Oh. I mean, like the thing is, if he if he taught you stuff, of course you've already met him. But like, he hasn't appeared in the sessions. He hasn't appeared in the game. As a... I, I don't really remember what he looks like because it's been quite a long time. Yeah. He'll probably remember you because there can't be that many cat people walking around. Yeah. Meow. Meow. So, what's your favorite part about role-playing games? Like, about all of them. Like, just about 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 playing a role-playing game as opposed to any other type of game. Kind of like the role-playing part. Like the bit where you get to act like a different person and, yeah, you know, like... Talk? Do you do you enjoy like the talking bits where you yeah, talk to? Like when I talk to that ghost. Yeah. In the horde. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because um, they were there. Whenever I put ghosts in games, I, I feel like a ghost is a pretty stupid enemy, like a fighting adversary. I yeah. feel like the whole point. You go right through them. Pardon? You go right through them. Yeah, I'm right through them. Well, ghosts do have some powerful capabilities if you are going to use them as ca- as a as a combat but i feel like the whole point of a ghost as like a, a pretty much neutral sentient undead is that they can tell you things yeah you know and then um, they took the tell you from the other ghosts not the one in the woods yeah just the number one one that um dragon who is actually a man that got turned into a big red dragon mm-hmm. which for me is actually quite cute but I like dragons. It's interesting that you love dragons so much you've never played a dragonborn. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's because you would rather be a, a, a full dragon. Yeah, and also I like being cat. Another thing that you haven't... Uh, you Let's see. What now. have your characters been? So you were a paladin <coughs> in the Horde. Yeah. You were a <coughs> druid... <coughs> You were a druid in Lost Minds of Fandelver. Yeah. And you're a rain you're a ranger in Curse of Strahd. Yeah. And then your main character in um Rappanathic is Lilac the Fighter. Yeah. Which um, is an elf. Yeah. And do you when do you you and you also run uh singing Jeff the, the thief. Yeah. So you have played Since even the the rubber banana singing, yeah, is in my brother's room. It's You're only using, because I can't... Well, he's not going to let you play with Monkey, because Monkey is his toy. And so. also... Technically, yeah. Banana is Monkey's toy, remember? Monkey got Banana for Christmas. They're best friends. Mm. And um, this is one of the reasons um, the rubber banana is in there. It is in James's room. Because uh, there's this car station in his room, which we use for his house. And then I have this Ariel. I took her dress off so she was only in her pants. I gave it to Banana for his wife. That's not an appropriate story. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Um, But anyways, my point was is that you have played martial characters in Divine Spellcasters, but you've never played an arcane spellcaster. You've never played like a wizard or a magic user. I guess in Hero Kids you are, but you you only have the one power, which is just making water or ice. Um, it's interesting that you've never like run, like you've never played a wizard or anything, because I think sorcerers and wizards and stuff they can often get familiars, and I think I think you're allowed to choose a pseudo dragon, like a little like a small dragon that fits on your shoulder. Oh yeah, as, the pseudo dragon. I read that in the monster menu. It's so cute. Yeah, so I mean that could be an interesting familiar. It's something to think about. Um, and sometimes it's good to try to play a character class that you haven't played before just to see what it's like. It, you might decide that it isn't your favorite class after all and go back to playing what you do like, but yeah. it's I pretty... I think it might be cool to be a wizard because you can cast magic spells. Yeah, well, that's the whole point. That's why it's always yeah, been one of the most... And my cousin, um, who is a wizard player, um, um... Has a familiar, and it's a falcon. Yeah. I don't know what type. Oh, that's right, because you know a lot about all the different raptors, don't you? 
Then this two called Wild Cats. <coughs> now I have a Wild Cats game on my tablet. That's good. Yeah, so I think she just chose Falcon, but I think you would you would have chosen a very specific type of Falcon. A peregrine. That's your they're favorite. really fast. Anyways, I'm going to have to pick your brother up from his play date soon. Um, but this has been a pretty good interview, um, and we can do it again sometime as well. Anything you want to say before we sign off? Um, not really. Just thanks for listening. Oh. And um, because we talked about the two My Little Pony books, I just want to say one more time before we go that I, I do, I especially highly recommend The Bestiary of Equestria if you're, um, if you're, if you're playing the My Little Pony role-playing game, especially if you're going to make up your own adventures. That's an invaluable resource. And I do like the, the movie source book. I just wish that there was one for um, the rest of Equestria, like the main oh, part of something a- funny that um, happened. Everybody wants the book that you don't need for starting the monster manual because it's the one with all the monsters. Oh, that's right. Every you mean in in the game? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. So, um, my daughter's never read the player's handbook. Yes, I have. I read the spells. Oh, she's read the spell descriptions, but she hasn't read the rest of it. And all the players in my other game. So her cousins, they they keep wanting, they keep asking if they're allowed to buy the monster manual, and I said, well, yeah, but you probably would find the player's handbook more useful, and they have no interest in that at all. I spells, you might like to learn about all the spells. Yeah, you really should know how your spells work. Yeah. Um, sometimes you're, sometimes it's surprising how a spell works, and when you read it, you're like, oh, that doesn't do what I thought it did by the name. Um, like acid splash, it doesn't splash. That's true. It does not have the splash effect the way that Melf's acid arrow does. So I think this is one of the yeah. reasons why the one time I tried to run five e. Uh, well, Melf is a famous wizard. Oh. So all the spells that have a name in them that means that they were invented by a specific wizard, and um, it's too late to do it for this game. But I've decided that from now on, whenever I start a game, that you're not allowed to learn spells that have a name in them like that. Um, you have to either meet the wizard who made them or find his spell book or somebody else who knows it because it's a new spell that you won't have learned in, like, wizard school, you know. <clears throat> but I think the one time I tried to run 5e for adults, it didn't work out. And the, I was really surprised at what people who have read the player's handbook, um, how they play. Even if I read the player's handbook, I'd be like, oh, this is just a guideline. Yeah. Definitely. Because I, I definitely it do. Isn't the whole thing. Yeah, I definitely just do. Just like in Strictly Come Dancing, the judges' votes are just guidelines. Oh, I never thought of it that way, but I suppose you're right. But yeah, I definitely make ample use of my right as the DM to alter things and stuff. And the thing is that with my kids and with their cousins and stuff, they haven't ever even read the rules, so they don't even know if I've changed it or not. Like I just, I basically can just rule it on the fly, and they don't, don't ever know the even difference. If I read it, I've said that before. But yeah, there's. I'd be fine. Basically, every single decision I made, they second guessed. As like I told them, like I don't care, I don't care about metagaming and things, but I don't like rules lawyers. And they were all rules lawyers, and they promised they wouldn't be rules lawyers, but all they did was rules lawyer. And I was like, forget this. Um, but my my zero edition game that I'm running for grown ups is going way way different. But even if they tried to rules lawyer, there's nothing to there's nothing to rules lawyer about in in original Dungeons and Dragons because the entire rule set is in like 32 pages. So, and that's yeah, good. It always, I think, I I find less is more. Some people don't like that. We we haven't tried playing Pathfinder yet, for instance. Yeah, it has. It, has, it might be a bit complicated for me. I'm only nine. Yeah, I. I I'm not like eleven. I can. I mean, to be honest, I'm not grown up. I I take I take the Mickey out of Pathfinder a lot, but I can get my head around it as a player. I can I can play it, and if somebody what offered, does the Mickey even mean? it means making fun of. Oh. Um, but I, I, I can play it, you know, I don't think I'd want to run it. Um, but I can play it, but I guess my, the thing, the thing is, is that I just, every time I think about it, I think, you know, there's an easier way to do this. Anyways, um, I really need to go and get your brother, um, from his play date now. Um, and so, uh, we'll wrap this up. Um, and hopefully we'll have you, uh, for another interview sometime in the future. 
So there you have it, what a nine-year-old thinks of various uh, role-playing games and adventures and things like that. Um, I realized, like, listening back to it, that uh, uh, it wasn't very structured. Um, you know, talking to nine-year-olds is often not very structured. But I think probably both me and my daughter are um, are kind of ramblers. So that's what you get. If there's any uh, thing that we touched on and didn't discuss, you know, thoroughly more like, thoroughly enough, um, send me a voicemail and I will uh, follow up, follow up on it um, and elaborate on it. I I'm also willing to have her back for smaller, more focused interviews in the fir- in the future because um, I I really like hearing my daughter talk actually so. Um, hopefully you do too. Um, before I sign off, I realized that in the last episode, I did not address Darren Green's comment about the, uh, ICRPG, the index card role-playing game. Um, I've, I've downloaded the free quick start guide to that so I can kind of, uh, get a little quick overview of the, uh, the rules and stuff. Um, and then I'll, from that, I'll see whether I, uh, I want to kind of invest in getting the full version of it because it's not it's not one of the free free ones but i have heard a lot of good things about it a lot of people have recommended it and i mean like like uh the the core mechanic he said of of like having uh an like a single difficulty for a, a given room or a given encounter and stuff like that um it sounds really good to me I, I think any any kind of innovation that will simplify things so you can spend more time playing the game instead of adjudicating the game that's always going to be a winner for me so i'm very interested to look into that and i will uh after i do i'll let you uh know my thoughts and whether i intend to kind of uh get more into that or or not um until then um play well and let the dice fall where they may